today on Anchored in the Word. God never changes his mind. He doesn't have to. Because he does all things well. When he says something, he knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't have to change it. He doesn't have failed policies, right? He doesn't have to go back and change everything. Well, we've worked on this one, and now we've got to change this thing. He's never had to do that from the very beginning. When he created this thing, he, he put man in. And the thing that makes me scratch my head, he knew that man was going to sin. He knew that man was going to mess the thing up. This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. Take a good look at the world around you. Doesn't it seem like our world is upside down? Sometimes it's hard to make sense of it all. In today's message, Pastor Bill tells us of heaven's divine order. It's a place where all are submitted to one authority. God has promised the righteous will reign with him and his kingdom will be established. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 2, with today's study. It's not out of order there. There There's a divine order in heaven. We even saw it last week, man, the these seraphim with the wings are flying around, and they're very, they're, it's very controlled there. I mean, they, they, holy, holy, holy. They got their thing to do. They know what their job description is, and they're just going about it. And they're 24 7, these guys, these creatures are flying around. You know, there's a lot going on in heaven, but it, everybody's submitted to the Father. And that's our problem on earth, if you didn't know that. Because on earth, everybody's not submitted to the Lord. That's our problem. Man, I'd love it if we get up there and one of the candidates goes, I got all the problems, I got all the, I mean, all the answers. Sort of like a, a Donald Trump type person, you know what I mean? That, in other words, he, he was not afraid to speak his mind, no matter what the cost would be. Although, and I'm not putting down Donald Trump, I'm just saying, Trump-esque, he would say, you know what, I got the answers. I got all the answers. I know how to fix the problem. They'd give him an extra 30 seconds, wouldn't they, on that one? Well, let's hear it. Jesus. You need to submit your life to Jesus. And if enough people in our country submit their hearts to Jesus, it'll change our country. Guarantee. I, every, you know, 17 guys, and a lot of them say, I'm going to do, and I believe they mean it, that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. I really believe they mean that when they say it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, every one of us has lied at some point in our lives. You know, it's interesting. If you're a politician, then you lie. They keep track of you. I mean, they, they write the stuff down now. There's a lot of, right? You, you get a sound bite and you get on tape with that thing, and boy, they're all over it, you know? Even if you change your mind, if you have an evolving uh, way of looking at things, that, that can cost you too. But the idea is God never changes his mind. He doesn't have to because he does all things well. When he says something, he knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't have to change it. He doesn't have failed policies, Right? He doesn't have to go back and change everything. Well, we've worked on this, and now we've got to change this thing. He's never had to do that 
from the very beginning, he, when he created this thing, he, he put man in. And the thing that makes me scratch my head, he knew that man was going to sin. He knew that man was going to mess the thing up. Lobbyists, there won't be any more buying things. You know, when I'm saying buying somebody's vote, there won't be any more of that. That's going to be gone by the wayside. And righteousness will rule and reign. And we're going to look at that this morning a little bit. And you, if you're a Christian following Jesus, you will be part of his government. That's what it says here this morning. It's going to talk about that idea. So the scroll. Angel says, who makes a big pronouncement, really loud, in all of heaven. Who is worthy to open this thing? Probably didn't say thing, of course. He's not afraid to speak his mind. And then the sad thing is verse 3. Now, it's, it's by a point. Now, this, look at this. It says, and no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll. Check it out. No political candidate on earth, no matter what party they're from. No ruler, no king or queen around the world. The smartest person, no religious entity on the earth, right? By the way, it says nobody in heaven. And it says was able or uh, was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And I want to tell you something. That's a place of no hope, if you think about it for a moment. Now, God did this to make a point, a good point. And this is the problem that we have, and, and this is what the world has. There's no hope. And people are finding their hope, if, they, if they're finding it's a false hope in wrong things, false religions, the hope of heaven. If you'll just murder a bunch of people, then you can go to heaven. That's the hope that some people have. They're holding on to that hope. They kill people in the name of their God, they're going to they're gonna be in heaven someday. Well, what kind of hope is that? I mean, there's a lot of false hope going on in the world that somehow we can turn this whole world around and, and the government and, and take care of everything and, and everybody will just be one big happy family. Sorry, not going to happen on this side of the return of Christ. It's just not going to happen. I hope that doesn't sound like a pessimistic attitude. It's just truth. But the good news is it's coming. It's coming. You see, verse 3 is a place of no hope. Listen, here's the reality. When these things play themselves out, you know, President Obama was, a, a lot of people, and even used words like Messiah, they thought he was going to be the hope for them. They really thought that he was going to be the, is going to bring in this new hope to America. Well, we found out that that's not the case. And that will be the case for any president that's going to come onto the scene. Give them enough time in office and you will find out that they will not be the answer to man's problems. The first thing you need to do, and I like what one of the people said, you're not going to fix a problem until you identify it. Amen, brother. you got to call it this. I'm telling you, brother, that's a symptom of the problem. Because uh, I couldn't remember what it was. It was uh, Islamic, uh, radical Islamic terrorism. Okay? That's a symptom of the problem. That's not the problem. Sorry. The problem is sin. That's the problem. And as a result of sin, we get that. We get fornication. We get, we get all kinds of weird stuff, people killing each other as a result of sin. That's our problem. And it's important to identify it. And by the way, you saw the debate. I don't think it was identified. Did anybody get up and say our problem is sin? No. I'm not putting anybody down. I don't know if they know that or they just didn't want to say it because it might not sound good on Fox News. I don't know. But the point is, that's our problem. 
According to the Bible, sin is man's problem, and it's the very root of the problem. And you have to fix a problem. You've got to go to the root, don't you? Don't worry. Jesus has it all under control. And he is dealing with, he's dealt with our sin. But look what it says here in verse 3. There's no hope in heaven because there's nobody that can fix it, right? They know there's a scroll that needs to be opened, and there's nobody can do it. I'm going to tell you something. It may seem like a sad thing, but you need to, well, that's, the way that, that's where we need to come as a people. As a person needs to be at that place where you realize that you can't fix your own life. You don't have the fix, but somebody does besides yourself. And that's the way a nation has to come to. Listen, there are places etched in stone in Washington, D.C. and other places that say, In God we trust. In God we trust. There's the answer right there. Now, the God of the Bible, Jesus, in Jesus, I wish they would have put that, in Jesus we trust. But until we get back to that, I mean, as a group, it's not going to happen. We're not going to be blessed, really, as God wants to bless us. But in heaven, it says, there was no one there. And you know the result of no hope, verse 4, and it says that, so I wept much. And there's a lot of crying going on. There's a lot of people that are depressed, people that are distressed, because there's no hope. That's what brings depression, by the way. No hope. There's no, when you're, you're in despair. There's actually no hope. People cannot live without hope. Sometimes they put it in a doctor. Sometimes they put it in an elixir. Sometimes they put it, it's misplaced, and it gets them by for a while. But the reality is that will someday, you will find when you get down to the road that it's really not your hope. Right? Some of us had hoped in other things as we were coming up and growing up and realized that that's not it. My hope is in money. That's not it. My hope is in a relationship. That's not the answer. Not with a person, anyway. So John's crying in verse 4. Why was he crying? Because there was no hope, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. A place of hopelessness. A place of hopelessness. Now, I don't know where Jesus was at this point, but he had to be somewhere in heaven. I, I think they were making a point there, and it was a good one. They wanted everybody to know that there's only one fix for this problem. That's it. There's not more than one. Buddha's not going to fix it. Muhammad's not going to fix it. Confucius isn't going to fix it. Joseph Smith isn't going to fix it. There's only one fix for this problem, and this problem of sin. And John's crying right now. He's thinking there's no hope. But, verse 5, and I love that, there's a contrast. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Stop your crying, John, because the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Hey, Jesus is going to fix things. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Talking about Jesus, and you notice that he, he defines who he is. Because the, even the term Jesus can be loosely used, and this is what I mean. Some people believe that there's a Jesus who's, who is the spirit brother to Lucifer. That's their Jesus. Some people believe that there's a Jesus who's not really the God Jesus, though. He's Jesus, the Son of God Jesus, but not the, the God creator Jesus. It's a different Jesus. You see, so you've got to even be careful with that. There are other Jesuses out there that people are talking about, and he lays it out. There's one, and here's who he is. He's the lion 
of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, and he has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now in heaven they know. In heaven they're submitted. They understand this truth. There's only one. There's only one person who can take care of everything, can fix everything, can right the wrongs that have been done. And that's Jesus Christ himself. And John says in verse 6, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. This is how they're, he's picturing Jesus here, a lamb that has, as it has been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, I can't imagine what exactly he was looking at there. Some painters in ancient times have tried to depict that, and some would say that it ends up being grotesque. I mean, the picture that it makes. A monstrosity, somebody said, is when they paint this of what Jesus is being described as here. Symbolic, he says, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. It says, then our hero steps onto the scene. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. You see, verse 7 is yet future. We've got a man, we've got a God man waiting in the wings for this thing to unfold. Your hope can't be in in men or women fixing the problem before it's time. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. We're expecting too much out of a human being. Look at presidents, the United States presidents, how they age while they're in office. That's a tough job, folks. Especially when you have the hope on you, the people's hope of, of over, what are we, 220 million now, whatever we are, and you're the hope of fixing this thing? And it's more than just an economical, you're, you know, what is it, $19 trillion? That's a lot of money, by the way, folks. We're in debt, $19 trillion. If that's not bad enough, some of you think you get some credit card debt. That's a lot of debt. How do you ever fix that in a lifetime, in somebody's lifetime? That's not our problem. That's a symptom of another problem. Just like if you're in debt, that's a symptom of another problem. That's what these are. These are symptoms, and the best thing a lot of times that man does is try to fix the symptoms. I'm not putting people down for trying to make things better. I'm not saying, I'm not coming with a message of there's no hope. I hope you get the idea that the only hope we have is in Jesus. But there is hope. And it's not just fixing our finances. That's the wrong aim, right? Fixing your finances, putting people back to work, well, that's all good stuff. But it's not going to cause the sin problem. It's not going to fix the sin problem. You put people back to work, and and that doesn't stop them from sinning. You know, we have a sin problem that's bigger than just not having enough people working. And so Jesus comes onto the scene and says, He he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. I'm going to tell you something. When that time comes, things are going to start happening. In verse 7, things are going to start happening rapidly now. Now, we're going to, I believe we're going to be raptured from before this, and we're going to be in heaven. So we're not going to be on earth, by the way, and see what happens as a result of when Jesus opens these scrolls. I wonder, did John know what was going to happen when these scrolls were open? I mean, we're going to get to it next week, folks. And there's some horrific things that are going to happen. It's God's wrath being poured out on the earth. And you're thinking, John was crying because, because no one would open the scrolls? You're thinking... That would have been a good thing, right? Nobody would open the scrolls. No, that's not a good thing. It may seem like a bad thing at first, but that's called judgment. See, judging evil, that's going to happen. It has to happen. 
Righteous God has to judge the, the wickedness and the, and the evil so that it will be taken away, it will be dealt with, and there won't be any more evil. You see, the problem of evil, people say. God's going to deal with that. And that's what's going to happen as he starts unfolding and we see these, these scroll unfolding and the seals coming off. See, John was looking at what was going to come after that. You know what I'm saying? He was seeing the fixes being unfolded now. The fix is happening now. It's going to be a tough thing to see. And if you're on the planet Earth, really rough to be a part of when God's wrath is being poured out. But Jesus took the scroll out of the hand of the Father. Verse 8 says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp. they got guitars in heaven. Each having a harp. That's what a harp is, by the way. That's what a guitar is. It's a harp, a, a different kind of a harp. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Just so you know, just for the record, New Testament definition of a saint is a Christian. A born-again Christian is called a saint in the Bible. That's what makes you a saint. So he's got there in the, in the golden bowls the prayers of the saints, and it says, they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Been redeemed to God by his blood. The blood of the lamb. The perfect sin sacrifice. And he's worthy. He's the only one that was worthy to go to the... You know, a lot of people were crucified. That's what the Romans use as capital punishment. A lot of people were crucified. And probably some people that weren't even guilty, probably, let's say. Could have happened. Good people, let's say, whatever. But none of them were like him. None of them were God people. None of them were like Jesus, who lived a perfect life. He's the only one that, you, that wouldn't fit in this saying, Oh, nobody's perfect. Oh, wait a second. Jesus is, he was, and he is. And he had to be to pay the price for our sins. Somebody that had sin in them wouldn't be a good sin sacrifice. He says, out of every tribe, he redeemed us out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Listen, the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't just cleanse the United States of all their sin. right? People of the United States. This is a global thing. This is a global sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And sometimes we get too focused, overly focused on where we are at, at the time. You know what's good for you? To get out of the United States once in a while. Go on a missions trip. Go see how other people live. Go check out other places. There are other places around the world. And you can see, it'll do a couple things for you. One, you'll find out how blessed that you are to be in this nation. You'll see that there are other nations out there besides us. And listen, so his blood was shed for the whole world. And I want to tell you something. We're not the only country with problems. This is a worldwide thing that's going on right now. This is worldwide. Things are coming to a head. Like it talks about in Matthew, birth pangs. Like a woman you know, giving birth to a child. The birth pangs are going to, they're going to come closer together. They're going to be more intense as these things happen. Read Matthew chapter 24. And we see that if you read Matthew chapter 24, it's talking about the end times. You know, there will be law, lawlessness will prevail. Are we seeing a little bit of that in the streets? And as a result, the love of many will grow cold. Man, we're seeing that. We're seeing the things that 
Jesus told his, belief, his followers were going to be happening. What does that let us know? Should we be scared and hide under a rock? No. Look up. He's, he's going to take that scroll. When he, when he takes that scroll, we're going, to be up, we're going to be up in heaven. But the idea is that's when the judgments are going to be folded out, unfolded. It'll be too late for the people that are in our life, our circle of influence, you could say, for us to tell them then. It'll be too late. We won't be able to speak to them anymore at that point in time. We'll be, we'll be taken up from the earth. And then they will be around to see the, the wrath of God poured out on the earth. And look what it says in verse 10. And he has made us, talking about Christians, those that are covered by the blood, kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. What does that mean? We shall reign on the earth? Well, a kingdom of priests. The Bible says this, that Jesus Christ is coming back to earth. After this seven year, you know, the, he's going to open the scrolls, open the seals. There's going to be the beginning then of the wrath of God poured out. And then after there's a seven year period that these, we're going to see all kinds of things happen on the earth that are going to happen with judgments. We're going to see it in the Bible. I don't believe we're going to be here. But the idea is we're going to see that. And when that's finished, we'll see that Jesus Christ is going to come back to earth and, and set his foot down on earth there. And he's going to, he's going to make things right. And that's when things are going to be right. That's when nobody will be able to say, oh, that's not right. Oh, yes, it is. Because Jesus is in control there on earth. He's running the government right now. And he's not aging. He's already the ancient of days. It's not too hard for him to do. He was made for this. And you, my brothers and sisters, are going to rule and reign with Christ on earth. Can you imagine being part of Jesus' government? Wow. Well, the good news is you're going to have a perfected body. You're going to have a glorified body not sinful. That's the good news, okay? So his government is going to be a sinless one. And he said, it says there he's going to rule and reign with a rod of iron on earth. Everybody's going to be in step. They're going to be in tune. They're going to do what's right. Now, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be rules, and people are going to stick to the rules, and everybody's going to be treated samely, the same way. But I'm going to tell you something about that time. Don't picture a police state in your mind. You know what I mean? Sort of like, uh, you know, Big Brother making everybody do what's right and everything. Don't picture it like that at all. Here's some of the things that the Bible says about that time. The child will be able to stick his hand in the viper's nest and it won't be bitten. The fear of man that the animals have right now won't be there anymore. In other words, you'll, go up and you'll be able to pet a lion. You'll be able to, there won't be any need for any zoos anymore. The lion shall lay down for him. That idea, there's going to be something that's going on in this kingdom. Even the animals are going to be in line. From Hollywood to the latest top-selling books, the world is abuzz with talk about the end times. Apocalyptic events on the horizon seem to fuel this trend. Our world is so upside down. It's no wonder that people are clamoring for something more, something new. The book of Revelation details these dark and glorious times that are on the horizon. May we hear and see Jesus as we study this book with Pastor Bell. You've been listening to Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey. If today's teaching has ministered to you and you'd like to tell a friend about this message, or you'd like to listen to it again, it's archived at our website, 
That address is anchoredintheword.com. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him, by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Pastor Bill also shares in-depth Bible studies every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. For more information, including driving directions, visit anchoredintheword.com and then follow the link to the Calvary Chapel Coastlands Church website. We hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening today. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again as Pastor Bill will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Revelation. It's our heart's desire that you would be moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word. Anchored in the Word.